Why do they keep referring to them as the big three? It's the big three now? Like, those three teams are way separated? Like, way, way separated. Like, clearly, they're better than everybody else. Really? You sure? Hello and welcome to Always College Football. Today is Wednesday, November 2nd. We appreciate you being with us. Thanks so much from wherever it is you're coming to us from. That's on ESPN's YouTube channel. Or if you're here with us via the podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. I told you I was probably going to blow a gasket. I'm sitting here having just consumed the college football playoff rankings. I'm probably going to blow a gasket. Not because I'm going to tell you that these rankings don't matter. They do. Okay, they do. You, I've been trying to people have been trying to calm me down already since they just released them a little while ago. I'm not calm. I'm also not satisfied with what I was explained to by Boo Corrigan, the college football playoff committee chair. And y'all, I would like to think that y'all know me by now. I mean, for those that have listened to the show for an extensive period of time or for those that have just joined the show today for the very first time, I would hope that you know that I'm not really one of those that throws a bunch of fire against the wall and see what sticks. Like that's not really my thing. Like I try to look at it logically. I try to look at it with a level head. And there are a few things that I saw in the rankings that are completely unjustifiable. I'll explain here in just a minute. There are also a couple things in the rankings that I loved. I'm going to explain the positives too, because it's not all negative. There are some positives in there as well. And I also want to remind everybody this. Look, there's only one team that's going to be happy with where they're at right now. That's Tennessee, right? They're ranked number one. Spoiler alert, all right? They're ranked number one. We told you they would be. Not really all that surprised with the resume that they've compiled. There's only one team that's going to be happy. And unlike others, I'm not going to sit here and try to criticize the committee's credibility. They're doing the best they can. They are. They're doing the best they can. It's a thankless job. Any of those 13 members that are on that committee... They don't get paid to do the job that they do. They do it out of the goodness of their heart because they love college football. All right, so they don't get paid. It's not like you get some, you know, get to go stay in some five-star resort in Dallas, Texas. No, you don't. You just get to go and try to do what you think's best for college football. And it's a thankless, difficult job. To rank teams 1 through 25, there are going to be contradictions. There are going to be things you disagree with. There are going to be things that you might not value as much as somebody else in the room, and they end up ultimately winning out, which is not easy. And I'll remind you another thing. If you're going to direct your negativity at Boo Corrigan, who is the NC State Athletic Director, save it. You know how miserable it would be to have to go out and be the face of a ranking and one that you might not even agree with? For all we know, Boo Corrigan had... UCLA number one. All right. So I'm just telling you, let's just take it. We can be frustrated, but there are some things that we can certainly learn from it. So let's dive in. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. 
Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. All right, let's not waste any time. Let's start at the top of the college football playoff rankings, okay? Let's start with the Tennessee Volunteers. They got it right, y'all. You can agree, you can disagree, you can yell, you can scream, do what you want. It doesn't ultimately matter because they got it right. Now, you could say, I disagree. I think Ohio State would beat Tennessee. Yeah, but that's not what this exercise is about. It's about giving reward to what's already been done. Remember, the description here is a snapshot. Like, I'm taking a picture of you right now. What is that? I'm capturing a moment, correct? Well, that's what these rankings are. I'm capturing a moment of the college football season. That's all these rankings are. They're good for today. They're good for tomorrow. They're good up until Saturday. And then guess what? Next week, we start all over again from scratch. That's what we should do, at least. At least I would like to think that's how we operate. I don't think we operate that way. I'll explain why here in just a little bit. But Tennessee becomes the seventh team to reach number one in the college football playoff rankings. The other six, can you name them? I'm sure you can get the easy ones, right? I mean, it's not not that difficult. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Man, that's tough. Georgia. Obviously. All right. There's two more. Can you get them? I'll give you a hint. They're from the SEC. Both of them. LSU, of course. Joe Burrow in 2019. Eventual national champions. And the Mississippi State Bulldogs. There in 2014. So seventh team to reach number one. The good news is those that have been number one In the initial playoff ranking, and really in any playoff ranking for that matter, well, of those seven teams, only one has failed to make the college football playoff. That would be 2014 Mississippi State. So if history is a repeater, six out of seven that have been ranked number one at any point have made the playoff. So it's a good thing for Tennessee. They're also the second team to be ranked number one in any college football playoff despite being unranked in the preseason poll. The other, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. All right, so uh, let's hope for Tennessee's sake, they're a little bit more like 2019 LSU and a little less like 2014 Mississippi State. All right, can we all agree on that? All right, congrats to Tennessee. Awesome, awesome job. Rightfully number one, number one in strength of record, of course, with notable wins against ranked opponents. A lot to be proud of. On to number two, Ohio State. No problem here. No problem here whatsoever. If you look at the game control metric, which matters, that's basically the eye test, but it's in metric form. They dominate that in many, many ways. They also have ridiculous offensive efficiency. We've also seen them play pretty well. I mean, they're going to get credit naturally with how they went on the road and played against Penn State. I, as well as the committee, like Penn State. Penn State sits at number 15. That was a good, solid victory on the road. All right, so they deserve immense credit for that. Ohio State also has played against Notre Dame. Where is Notre Dame on the list? Because last I checked, Syracuse is in there at number 20. Notre Dame dominated them. So maybe Notre Dame's sitting there if the committee had to extend. Maybe Notre Dame's sitting there 26, 27, 28, which actually helps Ohio State's resume and would ultimately boost them up a little bit higher. I have no problem with them sitting at number two. I told you that Georgia was going to be at four. They were at three. The reason why? Because clearly the committee does not value Michigan more on them in a minute. I think Georgia is appropriately ranked. Here's where I have an issue right now. First of all, Georgia wins this weekend. No problem whatsoever. They'll probably bump up to the number one spot. No issues. All right. Georgia's in a great spot. Completely get control their own destiny. Get a shot this week between the hedges to play one. 
I think the inconsistencies have probably bothered, bothered you a little bit. And honestly, you have a great win against Oregon. A win that honestly looks better every week. An absolutely dominant win. But what other teams? Florida, ah, just okay. Missouri, not really that great. South Carolina, uh, not great, especially after they lose to Missouri last week. That that win looked a little better a week ago. I mean, what like what are the other great wins for Georgia? I mean, they're not there. I mean, in brand name, sure. Oh man, great win, man. You took care of business against Florida. Let's go. No, yeah, but it, but Florida's not the Florida of Steve Spurrier, right? I mean, they're good. They're just not great. All right, so I think Georgia being at three is perfectly fine. Here's where I have an issue. They kept referring, and I'll explain in the offseason how the voting process works. I've gone through it. We'll go through it, but that's not the day for this. Why do they keep referring to them as the big three? Reese Davis did it. Boo Corrigan did it. Several others did it. Why? It's the big three now? Like Those three teams are way separated. Like way, way separate. Like clearly they're better than everybody else. Really? You sure? Have you watched Michigan? I mean, have you? There's, if you haven't, it's fine. Like, we're good. Like Michigan's still very much in control of their own destiny. They played the number two team in a couple of weeks. Like they're good. They also play Illinois, which sitting there at number 16, pretty good spot coming up in a little bit for Michigan. But why? really those three. Okay. So they're okay. They're way ahead. Gotcha. Sounds good. You're wrong, but gotcha. All right, moving on to number four. (laughs) I respect Clemson's program very much. I do. What they've done and what they've accomplished up to this point of Davo Sweeney's tenure is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Davo Sweeney's a Hall of Famer. No questions asked. Just saying, have you watched Clemson? Like, just watch them, okay? Just watch them. A couple good wins. I was a little bit surprised, frankly, with where some of these teams ranked. How on God's green earth you can rank NC State in the top 25 is beyond me, but they're in there. Even though last week's game on Thursday night made me want to... Literally, it made me want to turn off the television. You know how hard that is for me to do? As like a college football diehard, last Thursday's game was painful to watch. All right, so you got to win there. Got to win against Syracuse. Syracuse sits at number 20. Okay. So Clemson, they have a couple good wins in there. Also got to win against Wake Forest. So you got to win against team 20, 21, and 22. All right. Should any of those three teams be ranked where they're at? I would argue no. But they're sitting there with three wins against teams that are currently ranked in the top 25. So I can understand why they're where they're at. I don't have a terrible issue with it. But if you just watch them, man, they just, if Syracuse, or excuse me, if Clemson played Michigan, I would pick Michigan every day and twice on Saturday. All day long. All day long. But look at the resume. Wins against 20, 21, and 22. So I understand why they sit where they sit. Moving on to Michigan at number five. Here's an example, kids. And I've already seen people say, hey, yeah, well, UCLA bailed and we, we, it's the Bruins' fault. And fine. I don't care whose fault it is. Your non conference schedule stinks. That's why you're at where you're at. Like, you are a terrific football team. And if you look at the game control metrics, the efficiency metrics, fine. All that's great. But if I look at strength of schedule and I look at strength of record, you're not there right now. The good news is you control your own destiny. The bad news is clean up your non-conference schedule. 
If you're playing against the likes of Hawaii, Colorado State, UConn, that's an embarrassment. Put a Bauer 5 team on the, on the schedule. I mean, it really is. No disrespect to any of those three teams. My dad went to Hawaii. I grew up watching Rainbow Warrior games. All right? Like, I'm, I'm a Rainbow Warrior fan at my core. I want Timmy Chang to revitalize that program badly. But I don't want to see him on anyone's schedule. I don't. Not any playoff contender schedule, that is. All right? Alabama at number six. And you guys all know where I went to school. All right? This is not me going out of my way to be unbiased. I'm not. Alabama does not belong at number six right now. Like seven, sure. I can live with that. All right. Alabama does have some good wins. Well, one good win. That being against the 24th ranked Texas Longhorns. Okay. Well, should Texas be 24th? That's another question. Should they be? Ah. Ah. I personally don't really like teams that are super inconsistent. So Texas might be just on the on the way outside the top 25. But if you look at it, you know, looks like they're valuing close losses. And I, I think that's why Alabama's where they're at. It's like because Boo Corrigan said, well, look at their good wins on the road at Arkansas. Okay, Arkansas is okay. Not great. They're okay. Took care of business against Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State's okay. They're not great. Okay. Not in the top 25, I might add. They have one top 25 win right now. Last I checked, based on what they've done, and that's against Texas Longhorns. So are you valuing how, how they played against Tennessee? Like, is that, is that, that, and that's fine if you are, but this, that would be kind of uncharted territory for the committee. Where, oh, well, they, you know, they lost close. Well, either one or you lost. Like, close or doesn't really, you know, doesn't really factor in to me, but it appears as though that, that matters. That's why Texas is in the top 25. That's why Bama's sitting at six. I disagree with it. I completely disagree with it, but maybe that's why they're sitting at six. First time I've seen a committee actually care about close losses ever. Uh, and then we're going to take a quick break after this one because I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to catch my wits about me. All right. I am not one, by the way. All right. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, at least when it comes to college football, about every other walk of life. I'm a conspiracy theorist. All right. Every single other one. Like, no, I'm not, not necessarily to the extent where I think like the earth is flat or anything like that. Like, maybe that's a little t- too extreme for me. Okay. Like, the fact that we're living in like a simulation also, maybe just the tiniest bit too extreme. Like, no, I'm not, not necessarily into those conspiracy theories, but like, I like conspiracy theories. I always have. So, those that have said, well, you know, the, the committee, you know, that big brand bias, like, I, I don't really subscribe to that idea. I really don't. Uh, I think that. I subscribe more to the idea of there is a bias, not against the brand, but I think we are naturally inclined to assess teams with future pros and expect for them to play at a higher level. So let me ask you this. And I know basketball is totally different, right? Basketball is totally different. When you fill out your March Madness brackets, what wins in March? Pros, right? Like more often than not, like I'm going to have, oh man, oh Duke's pretty good. Like they got a couple of Pablo Bancaro. Like I mean, get them go, right? Like, like pros win in March. And it's almost like the committee looks at Clemson. They look at Bama and they sit there and say, you know what? They got more pros than TCU. Yeah, they do. They do. They got more pros. You know what? They also don't have a good resume. Yeah. It's really not that good. You know who does have a good resume? TCU. TCU's got a great resume, man. 
Like, look at the Big 12. The Big 12's propped up. And by the way, TCU's got plenty of opportunities. Those are saying, well, TCU's going to get edged out. No, they're not. Not if they run the table. You're 13-0. You're undefeated. You win a Power 5 conference. You are in the playoff. I will, I'll actually guarantee that right now. Why will I guarantee that right now? Because the Pac-12 champion's going to have at least one loss. So, guess what? If you're an ACC fan and you're Clemson, you're like, well, you know, I don't want to get jumped. Well, guess what? You won't. Well, the, the SEC is going to get two in. The Big Ten could get two in. Yep. Guess what? They won't. If you're undefeated as a Power 5 champion, you will get in. It doesn't matter how flawed you look along the way. So all I need is one example to point to and say, yep, you know what? They were about as flawed as the day is long, but they got in. 2014 Florida State, baby. Circle it. Check it out. They were awful. Awful. Yeah, they were undefeated, but they got by by the hair of their chinny chin we- chin every single week. They got in. It's great. If you're undefeated, you're in. Now, I will present you with one other situation. Y'all remember a few years back, I believe it was like 2015 or so, there was a 12-0 and Iowa. Remember? 2015, 12-0 Iowa. And anyone that watched Iowa that year, you were like... <laughs> Really? Playoffs? Really? No. No way. Iowa's not making it. No chance whatsoever. And yet, they were in great position if they knock off, I believe it was Ohio State. No, 2015. It was Michigan State. Michigan State. That's exactly who it was. Should have been Ohio State, but they laid an egg and lost to Michigan State. That Ohio State team in 2015 was a monster. But guess what? Iowa was on the verge of punching their ticket to the college football playoff, even though when you watched them, they were awful. In 2015, awful relative sense, by the way. And then what happened when Iowa played against Stanford in the Rose Bowl and Christian McCaffrey just a couple weeks later? They got absolute doors blown off them. But guess what? Undefeated. Where were they? On the cusp of punching their ticket into the college football playoff. So you cannot tell me, well, you know, a one-loss runner-up, a one-loss runner-up in the SEC is going to get in over an undefeated Big 12 champion nonsense. Won't happen. Well, I don't know. I mean, Michigan's pretty good. If they lose close to Ohio State on the road, they might still get in over an undefeated TCU. Nope. No, they won't. Don't worry. You're in good shape. But if I were a TCU fan today, I would be ticked off. Why? Because they ignored my resume. They looked at the pros that littered the roster for Alabama and Clemson and Michigan they litter the rosters, all right? Yes, you will hear the words Alabama and Clemson more in April than you will TCU. But that doesn't matter. Okay, maybe their ceiling is higher than that of TCU, but that shouldn't matter. What should matter is what you've done. And to deny what TCU has accomplished by winning against number 18, Oklahoma State, by winning against number 13, Kansas State. I just told you that Alabama's best win is against number 24, Texas. And yet TCU has not one, but two wins that the committee thinks are better than Alabama's best win. And you could say, well, they were unimpressive. Well, was Alabama's win against Texas impressive? Because I don't think it was. Oh, but Alabama lost close to Tennessee. They're number one. Great. 
That's awesome. What a great moral victory. The committee needs to evaluate what you've done, not what you could be, not what your team would look like in four years when they're all littering NFL rosters, what you've done. They better make an adjustment and make an adjustment quick because TCU got wronged on Tuesday night. All right, moving on now to the rest of the top 25. Oregon comes in at number eight appropriately ranked, have no issues whatsoever with where Oregon's ranked. That's where we had them ranked. That's where I thought they belonged. We also had USC at nine. So we were on the same page as the committee when it comes to number eight and number nine. No issues whatsoever. Oregon, did they have a pathway to the playoff? Yes, but it is really, really, really slim. Here's how Oregon gets in. One, first of all, Oregon, you look at their schedule remaining. It's not crazy difficult. But they obviously have to dominate, like 59 nothing dominate in the Pac-12 championship game. And they got to hope that Georgia is also in the college football playoff by having beaten Tennessee and beaten Alabama in the SEC championship game. All right, so that's the way that Oregon gets in. They also need TCU to lose. They also need Clemson to lose. So the back door is open, but it is a very, very tight window for the Pac-12 to negotiate. I think SC might actually have a better chance than Oregon because they still have Notre Dame on the resume and they have a game against UCLA, who I think is criminally low, sitting there at number 12. I mean, UCLA goes on the road, loses tough, never punts in the game, loses tough to number eight, and yet here they are at number 12 behind Ole Miss, who just got dump-trucked by LSU. I think Ole Miss is a little bit high, you know, Probably a little bit too high, but that's where they are right now. Eight, Oregon, nine, SC, 10, LSU. Here's the crazy thing about LSU. All right. Obviously, we know they have a really strong win against Ole Miss. Very strong win. A dominant win. One that needs to be highlighted. Probably one of the most impressive, most convincing victories of the season against a quality team. But think about if that extra point doesn't get blocked against Florida State in week one. Think about that. This team could be just this close, this close to being in the mix there at number five, number six, number seven, alongside Alabama is like, hey, man, this team, they win this weekend, by the way, they are in the driver's seat and in the SEC West. I mean, so don't totally shut the door on LSU getting to the college football playoff in Brian Kelly's first year, but it, it does seem like a little bit of a long shot. It starts with a win this weekend against the Crimson Tide, obviously. You lose that one, it'll be interesting to see how far they drop. Uh, Ole Miss, what's their pathway in? Probably not existent uh, because it depends a little bit. If they beat Bama, maybe they can sl- slide in in front of Bama. They, of course, obviously need to have LSU you know, lose potentially to lose then break that tiebreaker. So uh, Ole Miss has a pathway, but I think they have some flaws and will likely lose again here in the final month of the season. I already said UCLA, I think, is a little bit too low. Granted, Best win for UCLA, it comes against number 14, Utah. That's a pretty good win, though. To me, that's a pretty good win. So I think UCLA, maybe a touch low. I'd probably have them at... I had them at 10 in my rankings. They're sitting at 12. I'm not going to throw things across the room and and break things over my knee because UCLA is two spots lower where I thought they should be. All right, Kansas State sits there at 13. This is an interesting one here. TCU has already beaten them. All right, if Kansas State, it'd be great. Great for TCU if they can keep their purple on, just change out the logo and continue to root for Kansas State. Because if Kansas State can run the table, that only strengthens TCU's resume and it sets up for a potential big-time Big 12 matchup. 
could be really significant there if Kansas State can continue to roll. Utah sits there at 14, kind of in a holding pattern right now, but still a nice season potentially for the Utes if they can run the table. Uh, Penn State at 15, significant, of course, because of how they performed against both Ohio State and against Michigan. So Penn State matters in this equation, but really more to boost up their Big 12 East counterparts in Michigan and Ohio State. Sitting there at number 16 is Illinois. Welcome to the college football playoff rankings, Illinois. Really cool. Love that Illinois is in the rankings for the first time. Two other teams that have made their debut. I'll explain who they are in just a minute. So welcome to the college football playoff committee rankings, Illinois. You're too low, in my opinion, at 16. But so be it. It is what it is. You can take care of business against Michigan here in a couple weeks, and maybe you can vault up. That would be huge, by the way. If they take care of Michigan, let's say they do so in resounding fashion. I don't think they will. I think it's a bad matchup for Illinois. I don't think you can out Michigan, Michigan. But either way, if they beat Michigan, then hey, that makes things kind of interesting there in the Big Ten championship game. Assuming Michigan loses to Ohio State, then you know you know how that all potentially works out. North Carolina sitting there at 17. Now we have seen teams in the past in this part of the rankings that have made a charge and backdoored their way into the college football playoff. We have not seen any do so with the schedule that looks like North Carolina's. It's just not strong enough. I don't think they can get there. Normal circumstances, you have a one-loss ACC champion. I think you'd be in really good shape. But I don't know if there's enough meat on the bone coming out of the ACC Coastal this year. Yes? A win against Clemson in the ACC championship game would go a long way in securing a top seven, top eight type of ranking, but I'm not sure it's going to be able to vault you high enough into the top four. Oklahoma State sits at 18, also important because of the game and the win that TCU got against the Pokes. Need the Pokes to finish strong in the best way possible. Welcome to the College Football Playoff Committee rankings, Tulane. You sit there at 19. We told you they should be the highest group of five team. They were. Good job by the committee. However, at 7-1, their one loss is to Southern Miss. I know that. I get that. But they do have a win against number 13, Kansas State. So, hey, no, they shouldn't be ahead of Kansas State. I'm not going to go that far, but something to consider there in Tulane looking really, really nice. Syracuse is too high. Wake Forest is probably a little too high. And NC State is way too high. They shouldn't be in the top 25. I know that they have a 6-2 and record, but what has NC State done this year that has been impressive? Okay, they beat Florida State. Good win. Good win. What else? Anything else? Nothing comes to my mind. Was it the close win at East Carolina? Like, what? I, I, I really am unimpressed with NC State right now. Like, you have a good win against Texas Tech. Okay. I mean, yeah, there's, there's some things on your schedule that are okay. It's just ah, sitting there at 22, there are teams that I have right behind them that I'd pick to beat them, like Oregon State, who sits right now at number 23. Uh, Texas sits at 24 important because that right now on paper is the best win for the sixth ranked Crimson Tide, but that obviously won't be the case if Bama can take care of LSU who sits at 10 this weekend. And then rounding out the top 25 is UCF. I would think that the, those that are kind of the, the next list, the next group of teams that are probably just on the outside looking in based on how Boo Corrigan talked, it must be Mississippi state and Arkansas because he talked about them as if they were great wins, but I, I'm not sure why. Uh, you got to think Notre Dame's probably up there as well, but this is all going to change. It's all going to iron itself out. So let's not press the panic button. It's going to be just fine, but that's where we are right now. Y'all 
That's where we are right now, 1 through 25. Take a picture. It's a snapshot. It's a moment in time. We're capturing a moment in time right now of the college football playoff world. All right? Trash it after Saturday, and let's start from scratch again next Tuesday. Starting your own small business can be a total roller coaster. Between all those bumpy twists and turns comes the actual business side of your business, which can really throw you for a loop. Luckily, with QuickBooks, you can manage your business with confidence from the start. So no matter how bumpy the ride gets, you can always stay on track. New business, no problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. Do you have ambitious hiring goals for the last quarter of 2022? With a powerful hiring partner, big goals are no big deal. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Indeed makes hiring all in one place so easy because it takes 10 minutes or less for most small business employers to post a job, according to Indeed Data US. Indeed also has a jaw-dropping pool of talent. In fact, three out of four U.S. online job seekers search for jobs on Indeed each month, according to Comstore. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at Indeed.com slash always. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 offer. All right, now that we've done a full comprehensive breakdown of everything that we learned already when it comes to the rankings. Let's get into some actual teams and some bigger picture conversations. So how do we do that? We get to the mailbag. That's exactly why we always appreciate you hitting us up in our email box at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com so we can absolutely get to some of the questions that you might have for us. We have a laundry list. We're trying to knock them off a little bit at a time. So Coops, where are we going? All right, first one comes from Jamari in Ohio. I have seen a lot of people comparing teams, specifically LSU 2019 to Tennessee this year. My question is, why do that? I understand player comparisons, but team comparisons don't make any sense. Please explain it to me. Well, let's look at the parallels, right? You had a team in Tennessee that showed some promise last year, but I'm not sure many people really thought that it was some breakthrough season for the Volunteers. A good season nonetheless, especially what they experienced in the offseason before. But let's look at where they're at, all right? 2019 LSU versus 2022 Tennessee. Potential Heisman winner at quarterback. Of course, hey, Hendon Hooker's the odds-on favorite right now in Vegas to win the Heisman Trophy. If he goes out and puts one on Georgia, the way Bryce Young did last year, the way Joe Burrow did against Alabama uh, in 2019, then... Obviously, that'd go a really long way in advancing the possibilities of him bringing home the Heisman Trophy. You have unbelievable wide receiver core. All right, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman. Obviously, you look at what was on that 2019 LSU team. You had Jamar Chase. You had Justin Jefferson. Of course, there's others, other guys that are really good. But, you know, I'm <laughs> still, those are kind of the two guys that stirred the drink. The reason why they're parallels and the reason why they're similar, man, is just the feel. It's just that it feels like when you watch 2019 LSU, it felt like their offense was unstoppable and their quarterback was unconscious. Right now, that's kind of the feel that you get when it comes 
to Tennessee. Now, I, I think there's still a lot for this Tennessee team to prove. I'm very proud of them. I think they've been remarkable. I think they're excellent. But are they necessarily, you know, on the same page as LSU, a team that had how many guys get drafted in the first round? <laughs> I'm not sure I'm willing to go quite that far, but I can understand why people are saying that they're comparable. And I also feel like, hey, maybe this team is a team of destiny after all, like the 2019 LSU team was. So uh, I think it's a totally a fair comparison, but like we talked about already, the 2019 LSU. We weren't saying that, oh, this is the best team of all time in, you know, beginning of November. <laughs> People started saying that as the season went along and it got closer and closer to the national championship time and all those records were being shattered, including the performance against Oklahoma and then what they followed up and did in the national championship against Clemson. So obviously it's still too early to draw comparisons amongst all time great teams, but I can understand why there are some similarities that people have pulled. All right, moving on. Next one, Dan in Fort Worth. Does TCU have a legit chance at winning the national championship this year? It's hard for me to say yes to this right now because, and hey, th there's something to a team that has constantly fought back. And you know I love TCU. I've talked about it. I've screamed about it. I've yelled about it. Every, I've been saying it since... We did the preview show with Bear back in the preseason. All right, I've loved TCU from the beginning because I just felt like things had kind of gotten stale, but it wasn't for a lack of talent and it wasn't for a lack of athleticism. I think TCU's very, very, very good and very fun to watch. Their problem that I have with them is that not once but twice you've had to crawl out of the cellar after half-hearted starts against good, good teams, but you know, are you going to be able to come back from a 17-point deficit against the likes of Ohio State? Uh, are you going to be able to come back from a deficit like that against the likes of Georgia? Perhaps if they make it to the college football playoff, the, the likelihood of winning games against those teams, if you don't play your best for 60 minutes, is incredibly small. And I, I think TCU, am I going to say there's a, not a chance? No, of course there's a chance. There's always a chance, especially if you have great quarterback play. And if you have great athleticism on the perimeter, because that position at wide receiver has become more important than it feels like it's ever been. I think they have a good, solid running back. They have an excellent head coach in Sonny Dykes, who does a great job of game planning for the opposition. But do they have the personnel? Would they be able to hold up uh, against, say, you know, let's say Michigan? If they had to play Michigan, would they be able to stop the run? I don't think so. <laughs> Just being completely honest, I don't think they could. I think they'd, I think they'd score. I absolutely think they'd score, but I don't know if they could stop the run. So ultimately, winning a national championship, it's hard for me to envision that. But I do think if they got into the playoffs, they would not be a team I'd want to mess with. We just haven't seen the Big Twelve fare very well in the playoffs in the past. And look, I can't compare TCU to what Oklahoma's been or you know what other Big Twelve teams have been. Has any other Big 12 team made it besides Oklahoma? And anyways, I don't, I don't think there have been. Anyways, the Big 12 has yet to win a playoff game. And doesn't mean that they can't. Doesn't mean that they won't. It just means until proven otherwise, I have concerns about TCU being able to hold up in the trenches against a team that might be a little bit more physically dominant. So I have my concerns. I don't think they would win a national championship, but... Uh, I also think the game has changed, and I wouldn't be surprised if their offense was able to move the ball and score some points regardless of who they're playing against. All right, and Robert in Toronto. 
With all the coaching turnover in the offseason, how would you rank the new hire's performance thus far? The new hire's performance. So first-year head coaches. Um, Well, Sonny Dykes, (laughs) obviously. The aforementioned Sonny Dykes has had a remarkable year. Um, I don't know how anyone could could look at what he's accomplished already to this point and think that there was a better performance by a first year head coach. I mean, there's a few others that, that would come to mind that obviously are very impressive, but I mean, that's, that's a whole nother level. I mean, Sonny Dykes has a team that's within striking distance of potentially winning, you know, the big 12 in his first year and potentially getting to the college football playoff. Like who else is even in the same stratosphere? Is that you have Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman, not a bad year, but I'm not sure anyone would characterize, you know, his performance as phenomenal. Uh, another guy who I think's had an awesome first year is Mike Elko at Duke. I mean, they've done a really nice job thus far. I mean, to take Duke, a team that has struggled for gosh, it feels like forever, to have them on the cusp of potentially going to a bowl game is in some ways miraculous. Um, that's the ACC. I'm still look. I'm racking my head. I'm looking at this list right now. So, don't kill me uh, you know, for maybe not being able to answer. There's a lot of first year head coaches. I think what Joey McGuire's done at Texas Tech has been pretty impressive, but not necessarily on the same level as that of some of the aforementioned guys. Looking at say, I mean, you have some second year coaches that are looking really good. What Brett Bielema has done, but he's not a first year coach. So I mean, I'm looking at these. I mean, there's obviously a lot of different programs that need to be taken into consideration with tremendous first-year hires. But ultimately, man, I mean, how can you have a conversation about first-year head coaches that doesn't start with Sonny Dykes and or Dan Lanning? Uh, and if you want to go one step further, Lincoln Riley. Um, those would probably be the three that, that would kind of stand out amongst their peers. There's... You know, I would say the one th- reason why I wouldn't necessarily have um, Oregon and USC on the same level as TCU, because look at where Oregon and SC. I know SC was four and eight. I get that. I know they they were terrible, but Oregon wasn't a dumpster fire. So Dan Landing went and inherited what was a pretty good situation. The USC Trojans. It's almost as if Lincoln went to the portal and got a lot of guys that he was already very familiar with, brought them to Southern Cal. And next thing you know, man, they're competing at a ridiculously high level. So uh, it's it's a very, very difficult question, but there's been a lot of really good first-year head coaches this year. And uh, it starts with Sonny Dykes as one, two, probably looking at Lincoln Riley, and then three, perhaps Dan Lanning, who, who's also had uh, an excellent year rebounding after their first week's performance. All right, that'll do it for us here at Always College Football. Look, we're going we're gonna to agree. We're going to disagree. You're going to see things one way. I'm going to see things another way. It's all good, man. Like, it, it's not a problem. Like, you can take shots at me. Uh, I promise you, your opinion of me is none of my business. I don't care. Like, it's all good. I hope you like me. I do. I'm sure that if you had a beer with me, you'd probably like me better. I'm pretty fun. But ultimately, if you don't like me because my rankings are so different than yours, then... We'll disagree to disagree. I also think that the committee did a decent job. I mean, it's not awful. I think where they put TCU, terrible relative to Alabama and Clemson, but 
I'll live with it. At least at this point, I'll live with it. Hopefully I'm rooting for TCU to run the table now so they can be proven wrong. Right. I think we all are to a certain extent. You wronged us. We never forget. We're the frogs. I'm kind of rooting for him now, man. Hopefully I do think, and I'll say this too, as someone that played and as someone that has experienced sitting on the one line. All right. Sat on the one line in my last season in college football. We had a lot of young players on that roster there in 2010. And not everybody handled it great. Being hunted is a difficult spot to be. It is. Because you're being told how great you are. You're being told how flawless your performances are. You're being told that you can't be stopped. You're being told that you're the best looking dudes on campus, even though some of you are six foot six, 360. And honestly, we're we're not the best looking guys on campus. I'm sure there's plenty of dudes in the frat houses that look better than us. I don't know. But I know this. Everybody loves you when you're at the top. It's easy to get comfortable. Whereas when we were in 2009 and we're sitting there as the underdog, just chipping away, getting a little bit better, getting a little bit better, starting the season at like number five or six or seven just slowly but surely working our way up, seeing those Florida Gators right there up top, the defending national champions. Yeah, well, the Florida Gators, they got fat, sloppy, and lazy. And we just kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And eventually, when we got the opportunity, our level of preparation, because we were told that we weren't as good, we weren't as talented, we weren't as sharp, our level of preparation was so far beyond what they could have ever done, we actually played better as a result. So if you're not sitting at one, Take it, bottle it up, and use it. That's all I'll say. As someone that sat in both seats, I'd rather be the hunter than the hunted. That's all I have to say about that. Thanks for being with us. For all of us here at Always College Football, please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps your show out. Also, let your friends know we're breaking it down. We're not just hitting the top. We're going to hit everybody in college football. We're going to hit games and matchups from all over the landscape because that's what we do. We want to celebrate all of college football, not just the top four. All right. Now everybody's going to put their playoff predictors out, and those are great, and they're fun. They're awesome, but there's still a lot of really, really important games being played that don't impact the playoff race. So you need to be here with us to help break those down here in the days and weeks to come. For all of us here at Always College Football, Mark Kubiak, Jack Foster, I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.